Welcome to Market Proof Marketing, the weekly podcast from the Marketing Minds at DUConvert.com, where we talk about the current state of all things digital and how they impact home builders and developers around the globe. We're not here to sell you. We're here to help you and to try and elevate the conversation. I'm Kevin Oakley, and with me today, as always, is the ad doctor, Andrew Peake. We are here, episode 66, and Becca is with us this week. Hi. Hi. Hey, Becca. She's here. And it's like final countdown to the summit. That's all we're going to say, but yes. holy smokes, it's here. We're ready. Basically, by the time you hear yeah. this, there will be like one week left until we see 200 of you beautiful people in Chicago. So we're looking forward to it. I'm, all right. I'm super excited. Yeah. We're Me trying too. to cut these episodes down to get as close to an hour as we can <laughs> uh, consistently. Um, to give you the time to to listen to other things like great uh, Jason Mraz and Foster the People music and, and all those other great bands. Other things. So I'll kick <laughs> off story time here, which I was prompted because I got an ad on Facebook by something. It wasn't offensive, but I was just like, why am I getting this? I clicked on the button. You know, why are you being served this ad? And it took me to that new beautiful place that we described before because I was on a tablet as I was waiting for my boys to fall asleep in the bedroom. And I'm like, oh, I can just click through here. And, and it has this list of, you know, everyone who's uploaded a list or is using third-party data to advertise to you. And so there's hundreds and hundreds of brands listed. And I spent 10 to 15 minutes just basically voting on brands with my finger. You know, hmm, nope, okay. I don't want to ever hear from you again or not for a while. And then I was letting companies slip through. At first, I was like, no, I never even do business with these people. That's not even helpful. And I was thinking very utilitarian of, yeah, I might be in the market for that someday, or that's something I might buy regularly, and I'd like to you know, see what's coming up. And then at some point, my mind switched to just thinking about, no, I feel good about that company. Like I've seen their ads before. I maybe have never done business with them, but their ads are interesting or humorous, or in some way had a positive connection. So it's just it's kind of this meta thing of of voting on brands, and it kind of transitioned into the other thing, which I posted in the Facebook group about was I got my physical Apple Card in the mail like a week and a half ago, and it's been sitting on my desk because I don't think I'm ever taking it out of the package. There's really no reason that I don't need another physical card. I don't even I didn't need the Apple Card, but I was like, man. I do like Apple. I don't think they're a perfect company by any means. Pretty well known. I, I'm not a fan of their laptops and desktops. But that I got true. this card just because I thought I just want to see what Apple does or tries to do with this that may be different or unique. And the answer might be nothing. But I wasted my time and potentially my credit score by signing up for a new credit card <laughs> for really no purpose <laughs> other than I have this different connection to the brand. So that's that's my story. Just you know, as much as we do talk about for home builders, brand, I think, is still a different thing, right? If it doesn't matter if I love the brand, I'm not going to, just because I love it, buy a house in a school district I never want my kids to go to school in. You might make some trade-offs, but they still better build in the location you want at the price point you want. There's different things wrapped up in that that brand connotation for builders, but mm-hmm. it is. And then also just, again, that idea of whether I actually do business or even get more intimately involved with shopping for a brand. It didn't really matter as I was voting with my thumb. It was just kind of how I felt about that organization as a whole, if I was going to permit them to continue to advertise to me with that third-party data. Were you surprised about what was in the... I think I just had it on my phone. I was looking at it like it's a businesses who uploaded information about you. like So they had your contact information that uploaded it. That was like a separate list, wasn't it? I think in your um, the ad preferences. 
Yeah, exactly. There's two. There's there's the what people have or who has uploaded information directly from there. And you can't remove that because you at some point opted in to giving them that information. It was the third party data that you could opt out of that wasn't first party. So gotcha. By, by definition, if it's third party, it wasn't first party. <laughs> but yeah, I, I was surprised in both cases by, I remember doing something similar like two years ago and it had all kind like some natural gas political committee. There was like 50 different versions of that. And so I'd cleaned this up Weird. once before it wasn't terrible, but I still was like, oh, yeah, I did that one search at a party when someone was asking about something. And some marketer thinks I'm apparently now on their list and I was never anywhere close mm. to being in mm-hmm. their world at all. You know? Mm. Yeah, I'm looking at mine now. I'm like, I don't even know how they would have gotten anything on me. Yeah, that's, that's, that's the other weird. thing. Yeah. I definitely yeah, felt like there were a whole lot of people who bought lists. And then before the yeah. cutoff of when Facebook really said, no, don't do that. They were just mm-hmm. buying lists from anyone, a la Cambridge Analytica, and uploading them just because they could. No builders on my list. Uh, Andrew, why don't you go? Oh, okay. I'll go. I will go. So this is a continuation of our, uh, we had a quick marketing guru meeting this morning with all of us at Do you Convert. And sometimes if we, were, we were caught off guard. Kevin put out this off the wall question. It really wasn't off the wall. We, we do marketing, <laughs> so it should be expected. But we were like, oh, I've never really thought about that. Um, I, I don't remember the exact question, Kevin, you, you might, but it was, what is your favorite brands or brands you, you, yeah. you do like? And we, kind of like we said Apple. you can't pick, yeah, you can't pick Apple, Amazon, like the obvious Tesla, ones that we, like the, we would yeah, use. Yeah, the ones everybody says. But think like the next step down, like, oh, Starbucks, you kind of like it, like that's what you prefer. I think there's probably Starbucks versus Dunkin' depending on your your region. But so that's the context of, of my story. So I went to, on the way in to to record today, I'm like, oh, I need a coffee. So I went to Earth Fair, which is like a like Whole Foods type of place. Like it's all organic and they have like all these slogans over the place. Like it's not what's in your food. It's what's not in your food. And you're like, okay, whatever. Like this hippie stuff, whatever, <laughs> like that whole thing. And I've never, I think you could probably go back on the podcast. Like I've never really liked them. I don't know why they're just right there. It's convenient. It's on the way in. It's all right uh-huh. terms. Like there's no U-turns, but it's just right there. <laughs> and, and I decided I left. I'm like, you know what it is? Like if you like. So I love Chick-fil-A. That should have been my answer this morning. We go to Chick-fil-A and they have this thing. They're like, my pleasure. And you're like, "Uh, whatever. You roll your eyes. Sometimes like, okay. But like when they say the people that work there, you're like, oh, like, I know you have to say it, but like, you actually kind of said it nice. Like, I know you, you aren't like, this isn't your joy of the day is giving me a fried chicken sandwich, but it, it somewhat feels authentic. I think coming from the Chick-fil-A employees, like, like I've never really had a bad experience, but this earth bear, I'm like. I don't think any of these people really care what they're putting in their bodies. Like, but their brand is all about what are you putting in? What are you not putting in based on yeah, like, my, the quality my favorite of food. and someone's going to hate me for this. I just can't, uh, I can't help it <laughs> is someone who like, let's say they're wearing that shirt with that slogan on it. And then mm-hmm. they've tattooed themselves all over no, with some type of heavy metal ink. Like, yes. That can't be good for what's in your body. <laughs> I know. And that's who works there. And it's, it's, I try not to, I'm not being like judgmental or anything, but I'm like, they always have now hiring. So it signs up. I think they have high turnover, like the typical right. customer that, that shops there. It's a little bit more picky. Like there just is a mismatch of like who works there versus who shops there and the pricing. It's just this weird, weird thing. So I'm like, I think that's why I don't like it. It's not authentic. Like, like there, it's mm. not, it doesn't fit their brand. Like what they're saying versus who's, who's there. And that's why we like Chick-fil-A and we had other examples this morning, but 
I'm like, I think that might be like a core need for it to be a likable brand. I don't, I don't, I'm not trying to have like a keynote well, or anything. Authenticity but like, and transparency. I think definitely like the younger you get, not even generational because more and more stuff's coming out. Like there are 60 year olds who think and act like 32 year olds. And so yeah. Oh, I yeah. don't know that I buy into all that. I think it's really a way to sell marketing to people is to say we've reached this generation. But there is definitely, as you skew younger, more people than not will will list authenticity as a as a higher uh, need when working or connecting long term with a brand than historically was true for for folks who are older. Yep, for sure, yeah. for sure. And that, and mm-hmm. relating that to to a home. I think that it was a, a friction point with, with the building process was like a lot of words that were like happy to make us calm and like think about the overall product of here's your home. You'll be happy with the home. But then you're like, well, what about this little thing? There was just this mismatch of what was said versus like, hey, that's still messed up even after our 30, 45 day, whatever walkthrough type of thing. And then yep. just the conversations. It was the Earth Fair experience versus like this is my pleasure. Here's your fried chicken sandwich and you love us. Yep. Um, yep. Becca, yeah, yeah. when you there were we at your builder, yeah, I'll tell you my experience is that most of the time marketing has very little interaction with construction or production where, but when I was at Heartland and we were private, we spent an inordinate amount of time, the marketing group or sales leadership with construction talking about hmm. these things and going through training and educational sessions and even just having them share best practices within themselves, because I don't think we were smart enough to talk about it like we are now back then, but we just knew that they needed to at least be aware of (laughs) some of these things because otherwise they were kind of living in their own bubble. And I'm just curious when you were at your builder, if construction kind of had this separate world they lived in, or if it was integrated closely. So it's kind of a little bit of both. For the most part, construction was pretty separate, but I kind of went out of my way to talk to them, mostly because I needed to get photographs done of homes. I was just going to say, I did the same thing at first, mostly because I wanted their advice when I was building my house or I was like, hey, the frame crew, you know, Yeah, but at the same time, like I would hear all of the, I guess you could say like not such satisfied customer stories. Because they would come to me on Facebook and I would have to like go uh-huh. and probably like uh-huh. research what had going what had been going on. And then we just started identifying I- areas of sticking points. And uh-huh. then once we got those sticking points, I would take my marketing and design some sort of marketing piece to help educate buyers along the process so that those things that were causing an issue were not causing an issue. And then also, um, I like the sales and marketing director would then talk to the construction director and the two of them would iron out, you know, like what you should have your construction manager say and what you shouldn't <laughs> based on right. all of our issues. So, yeah, I, I mean, they really need to, even though they're right hand and left hand, they kind of need to know what's going on together. We're, we're never going to shorten these episodes. We should stop trying because as <laughs> well, you're talking, I'm coming. I had like more, 10 more questions. Like, oh, yeah. Tell me about this. Tell me about so this. we're getting our house painted and we've had the same company oh, paint boy. the interior of our house before. 
No problem. Yeah. And I went to high school with this guy, really good guy, uh, runs a small painting crew and been very dependable. Great job in the past. Painting the exterior of the house has been a whole other story. They've got more things to deal with, with elements and, but also just, I think he's pulling in different crews or temp employees. He had a, uh, someone quit on the job. And so the house yeah. is done, has been done for a while, except for one side where they didn't spray it properly. And so they've been trying to touch it up now off and on for another week with a crew. Oh, no. oh, and every day, so the last two or three days anyway, they ring the doorbell and they're like, hey, can you come out and tell us if we're done? And I can't tell oh. you, there's there's few things that really get on my nerves. <laughs> One is pain for the same thing twice. I've told that before. Yes. Like a crooked sign shouldn't be less expensive than a straight sign or a straight sign yeah. should not be more expensive. Like, I don't want to pay you to go back. I'm not going to pay you to go back and straighten it if you installed it correctly yeah. to begin with. The other is for a professional who is asking me if I am happy. And I'm like, this is not how it's supposed to be. You're the painter. Mm -hmm. You tell yes. me, is this done to your satisfaction or to the standard? And then I'll agree or disagree, but there's just something about, and that was something we would talk about with the guys is, Hey, when you're working on something like that, don't, if you put it all on the customer, the customer feels that. Whereas yeah. if you, a professional who does this all the time says, okay, I've come back and I've addressed this issue to the standard that is hopefully in writing or just, you know, somewhere and not just made yeah. up, but also to my own personal standard of now I am ready for you to look at this. Cause I think it's done. Like those are, that's yes. an example of the kind of things we talked to them about is don't just say, are we done here? Say, here's what I've done. It is, it is complete to my standard and to the standard of the company or to the building code or whatever. And now we can disagree. And those are small things, but, but they can make a big impact. Yeah, that, that would drive me nuts. Like, I don't know. You, you're the painter. <laughs> <That's> me. <laughs> I was just going to say, well, there's two parts, right? So if you have new people and they're unclear of the standards, and, and sometimes often what's happens, it, it's still a newer person or someone who's less confident and they're getting pressure from a boss or from someone else. Like just make yeah. the customer happy, do whatever it takes yeah. to make them happy. Yeah. And th so in their minds they are like, well, of course I'd ask, like, are you happy now? But yes. that's totally subjective. And I'd rather feel more confident knowing that it's anyway. Objective. No. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, the other thing I was going to say is if, if you empower your people to make those decisions based on what's written, then they feel better about saying, I'm done. Does it meet your standards as well as our standards that we have written down? Right. Yep. And the other riff on that that we said all the time was the minimum standard is the standard, <laughs> right? Yes. You can <laughs> always, mm -hmm. and that, that, like you're saying, if you trust your people, you say, and if necessary, you can go above the standard up to this point without getting pre-approval from anybody, yes. right? Because yeah. that also, when you make things, and this goes back to your authenticity, transparency part, Andrew, when you make, sometimes when you make things so transparent via, oh, I'm going to have to ask my boss if I can do that or not. That's kind of a transparency that is not really helpful to the brand yeah. or to the experience, <laughs> right? It's like, oh, okay, then you're not really the person I should be talking to anyway. Who is this boss person that I can connect with? Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Okay, I think we still have one more story. Becca, you got you. Got, yeah, <laughs> you got we do. So switching gears completely, we are selling our old house, and we've been getting a lot of activity. You know, I did my DYC magic and put it up on the internet in places we like to put things, 
And it's getting a lot of action. And man, do I wish I had a lockbox that was electronic. Tell, tell us it, more. Is it far from you? Well, do you have to go and open it often? It's, <laughs> it's 10 minutes away. I don't okay. have to go like, so I could go drop the key off in the morning or drop the key off after work, which is fine. But then I got to go back and pick it up. <laughs> Just make sure everything is locked up because, yeah, it's been a daily drive over there. <laughs> oh, boy. So hopefully it's selling soon. Hopefully. Yeah, hopefully. Right. Hopefully. Yeah. Okay. And good, good, we'll, good. we'll tease something that may come back around or not. Let, just just tell everyone briefly. We don't have time to go into it, but the, the other story you were considering, I think is interesting, but oh, I, we don't have time to dive yeah. in. I know. So I had a little bit of a interesting call from a realtor. They called because there were two prices listed online and I had only put it in one place at a certain price. So yeah. A little interested. To so you would put out. on, I'll give people a little more context. You would put on yeah. Zillow. Yes. And then it yeah. showed up on another site and this is an existing home. So it's not yes. new home source, <laughs> uh, <laughs> but it showed up on another site in the listing of a house where this person found it on there and was yeah. mistaken to thinking, mistakenly thought that you were selling it at a lower price on that other site. And so yes. kind of the question of how are they watching each other? What are they copying over? Or what is the signal to say, put this one in the queue? definitely was interesting. I'd not, I'd not heard that before. Me neither. From not from, yeah, it's definitely not from this particular site. Awesome. Well, we'll thank goodness. Week. No one called in this week, but you can call in anytime you want to leave a voicemail 404-369-2595. 404-369-2595. Any questions, comments on previous episode or current episode? We'd love to hear from you. All right. Switching over to the news. From keepingcurrentmatters.com. Now, this is a website connected to a broker that I follow on Twitter. Uh, I think we got into a little, not, not Twitter war, but I think I've made a couple comments or two. And <laughs> again, my, my relationship <laughs> with the existing home space is, uh, is a tenuous one. But I, I love some of the content that this guy creates, and he puts it on his own website called Keeping Current Matters. And this headline definitely got my attention because it's... It contained a lot of things that I've felt, which it, the headline is, everybody calm down. This is not 2008. And it's really just talking about, you know, in fact, the, full, the first poll quote on the article says, with people having PTSD from the last time, which is exactly how I've referred to it before reading this, they're yeah. still afraid of buying at the wrong time. This is a, hmm. a quote from Allie Wolf, Ohio State graduate, who hopefully will be able to get on the show uh, soon. But... I totally agree with that statement that people have PTSD. If they've experienced the 2008 great recession, there's still huge PTSD, both on the builder side, as well as the consumer side of things. But listen to these stats. And I'm curious to hear your guys' thoughts. 53% of home purchasers currently in the market believe a recession will occur this year or next. 57% believe the next recession will be as bad or worse than 2008. Okay. Yeah. I mean, Becca, I can tell you lived that. Because that's like, what? How does it get worse than 2008? And 55% said they would cancel plans to move if a recession occurred. So I'm out of the market if things start going south. And the majority of people believe it is going to go south. And then the cherry on top is they think it's going to go so far south, it's going to make 2008 seem like a day at the beach, which is just... Kind of hurts my soul. Yeah. 
Yeah. So the article goes through and explains why is this not going to be like 2008? For the sake of time, we're not going to go into it. You should go check out the link in the show notes and read yourself. But a lot of really great points that while recessions are certainly going to happen, the next one is not going to be the same. And the biggest one, another quote from Zillow economist Jeff Tucker in the article, um, it's important to recognize how unusual the conditions were that caused the last one and what's different about the housing market today. Previously, there was an abundance of homes. Today, we have a shortage of new homes. Rather than risky borrowers taking on adjustable rate mortgages, we have buyers with sterling credit scores taking out predictable 30-year mortgages. The housing market simply is not in the same risky stage as it was 15 years ago. And I think that's the main point. But definitely Mm -hmm. check out that article for more. And just take a deep breath. It's all going to be okay. (laughs) Did you guys read The Big Short, the book? It was a movie, too. They they made a movie. Yeah. Yeah, I did read that. Nice. Yep. Yeah. yeah. That's good. That's good. Yep. I good book. The There's also a great This American Life episode called The Problem with Too Much Money, which kind of details it from a couple different angles as well. It, for those of you who haven't experienced it, you should go back and listen. I want to say there's a story of a gentleman who was selling mortgages and he was making like close to $400,000 a year in commissions yeah. or whatever you make off of selling a mortgage. And then he, he like made 35 grand after the recession hit. Wow. Like the next year, wow. it was just like spigot shut off. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, the second news article we have here is that Facebook may remove public like counts similar to Instagram's testing. Oh, this is from marketingland.com. Um, but Instagram's already removed it from several of their geographies and is continuing to roll out that test to more and more locations. And a Facebook spokesman did confirm that the company is considering hiding like accounts on Facebook as well, but had nothing else to share at this time. So seems though like that trend is gaining steam. And I for one am okay with it. You guys have I'm, I'm okay with that. I think they'll it? I think they'll still keep some type of metrics. Or maybe will they reinforce yeah. like comments or I think there'll be some way of going like, oh, this post is more trustworthy yeah. or worthwhile. If that makes sense. And I think that's, there's two parts to it. One is this, they talk a lot about social pressure and they want to remove that pressure from being on the platform to encourage people to post more organic stuff without worrying like, Oh, my selfie might only get three likes and my friends got 50, (laughs) but also a lot of advertisers and maybe do you convert included in this to an, to an extent use that social proof to kind of hack the system. We've never done it nefariously, but you definitely have all seen those ads where it's like something very vanilla or like you want to yawn when you read it, but it has 2 million Mm -hmm. uh, reactions. And so you stop Mm -hmm. for an extra second and like, am I missing something here? Is this actually important? What's going on? And so I think it's just going to reduce the amount of noise generally, which I think that's going to be good for any social platform. I agree. I like it too. I think the part that I saw had like your friends and family that you know, and it says, you know, like next to the thumbs up and the wow face and all that has like so-and-so really likes this or and right. others. And another example, not from this article, but another one that I peeked at was saying that they'll still probably show the emojis or those yeah. icons next to it. So you still know generally if it's positive or negative by if there's a frowny face or a, a smiley mm-hmm. face, but the like public face and like counts, I don't think are, and I would say the same thing actually with view counts. I'm not sure why they even bother showing view counts on videos, but it's kind of a similar thing of just because only 10 people saw this doesn't mean it's not the perfect thing for me to be seeing right now. 
Yep. It's not really yeah. a good metric. I agree. I wonder if it will help them sell more ads or increase inventory somehow, like if there's a monetary benefit to it. Okay, yeah. So that that what's interesting is will they show as often that someone else has reacted to it versus only showing an ad or post when someone comments or directly shares it, right? So mm-hmm. maybe they end up reverse engineering that as well to just reduce the amount of clutter in your feed coming from people reacting to a post because it's just it's very passive, right? You know, we'll, yeah. I've I've heard we'll talk about the fact that likes are free and that's true, but because they're free, they're almost worthless as well. Ooh. If you, you know, Do like you there, there's two will? sides of yeah. that coin, not, not a dig on <laughs> will at all. It's just, that's what I'm saying about that video of a dog or, you know, a cat that gets 5 million quick pushes of the button or, or I've told the story of my wife who's sitting at a stoplight and literally is just liking things faster than she could possibly be looking at it. Yeah. You're like, what, like are you what are you doing? <laughs> are you playing like bricks or some kind of, I don't, I don't know what game kids play now, but she's like, no, I'm just want to make sure Susie, I saw Susie's name and I want her to know I love her. So I pushed the button. And I mean, she, she didn't even know what, what it's about. <laughs> it's for Susie. Yeah, I, yeah. So, you know, what is the ultimate value there is the, is the question. Right. Mm-hmm. All right. Let's take a quick break. And when we come back, we're going to tackle briefly the topic that we passed on a couple weeks ago when we ran way out of time unattended access, what it is, how you can do it. We got some initial feedback from our friend Chris Hartley as well, who's used this for for probably almost as long as anyone else that I know. We'll be right back. All right, we're back with this week's 360 topic of the week, unattended access. I'm not even sure that that's the right term. It's just the one that I use. So welcome <laughs> to this topic. It. I like it. <laughs> unattended access means what? It means letting people in. If you remember letting people in to, and this will actually be part of this conversation, I'm not certain that this is the best word, access a home without a salesperson or someone from the company around, literally giving them access to a model home or a quick move in home completely unattended using technology to do so and and allow some type of tracking or security to be in place but that's it sounds cooler than it is i guess once you know the definition it does, it, does. It's, it sounds fancier than than it well i think there is fancier technology that you could you know they could yeah. upload their id it could then to you know go through fraud detection all these sorts of things to make sure that hey that's actually a real person yeah that's right. Or you maybe can dress a it up. camera. But that sounds fancy. To make sure or they don't move in. The camera, yeah. Make sure they don't move in. <laughs> yeah. So we, let's talk about the different options. And we're going to talk about options that you have to get unintended access set up for your home builder. Then we're going to read a couple different news articles where experts in air quotes and pundits have weighed in on their thoughts about this. And then we're going to have our own little internal discussion slash debate on the topic. So uh, probably the one that most of you have heard of. They've done a good job getting their name out there. And it's also the one that our friend Chris Hartley at TriPoint slash Trendmaker Homes has used. And he used it when it was still Dunhill as well, is Enter Now with an N. So dot com. Enter Now, all one word, is probably the one that is most well-known and potentially most widely used. I have no stats on this at all, but definitely (laughs) the company that I've heard of the most. And in fact, I want to say it was Ashton Woods at one point or some larger builder 
got on their train and like bought out all their inventory that they had. Oh, wow. And they actually were like sold out for a period of time, according to one of their top salespeople. And they've since have gotten more inventory in, but just widely used, well-respected source of this kind of keyless entry system with Enternow does scan the license uh, in order to know who is getting in the home. So good all around way to get this set up. Another popular one is Rently. And all these will be in the show notes, but R-E-N-T-L-Y. Um, that's the service that's powering CBH's unattended access program that uh, I think we talked about mm-hmm. in a previous episode as well. Primarily originally designed for rental use, whether it's apartments or or rental property of, of any kind, but certainly can be used by home builders and in fact has kind of its own platform, I think is the word I want to use of when you look how CBH uses it, you can click a button and see all of the listings. And, and so Rently is get one code to or pretty much any home that you want, or at least that's the way that, that it appears CBH has it set up currently. Okay. And looking at that, I think one of the big reasons they might've went with this CBH is you do not need Wi-Fi. Um, mm. They'll use cell phone, uh, cell big. towers. So you don't need, you don't need Wi-Fi at every, if like, I think with, with CBH, they did every inventory home, I think, right? So a lot, they be, did a lot of them, yeah. Imagine having to install, like, I don't know how many, a hundred different accounts if you could kind of share, you know, routers and everything. That sounds yeah. miserable it's, for them to yeah. connect to. This, you just plug it right in and you have and internet. I like that it tracks the one buyer or renter through their whole, so if they see five or six different properties, you can see which ones they're seeing. So you oh. kind of can pick out a trend. Yeah, that's cool. Right, you get that. You get that extra data yeah. from that approach. I imagine that enter now is also able to be used through cellular because you're right. Yeah. That would be a was super pain to get Wi-Fi oh, set up yeah. in all those I'll different locations. Yeah. See if it's on their site. For sure. Yeah. yeah. To take know. a peek on that while we talk about the third option, which is just do it yourself. Uh, there are several builders that that I know of and, and have seen and visited going back probably two years now where they're using some combination of cloud cameras for security and surveillance, as well as a smart lock and just giving code and, and kind of just, it's a DIY approach to it, right? Just get, get a couple pieces of technology, put in a system that you can reprogram the code uh, relatively easily, or just keep it kind of randomized or one-time use, similar to how Airbnbs, you know, if you didn't know it, breaking news, most Airbnbs do have cameras in, in certain public spaces and they can check on their property. Sometimes you'll see in the note, like it's only on the deck or only outside, but some places also have them uh, in public, not bedrooms or bathrooms, of course, but in, in common areas as well. So yeah. kind of a, an Airbnb approach to everything. Our home, our home would be in that category as far as we, we use August and there's a keypad and then there's like the, my phone, if I like walk up to the door it knows I'm there and then it unlocks it. But then we could assign like a key code for anybody and mm-hmm. send it to them and they could beep, 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 punch it in. And then we have cameras all over the place, sort of. And so my can, house, you can just hit a button on my phone and unlock the front door for people. There you go. Oh, nice. Hopping in, hopping yeah. in. Okay. So, and then the last one, which I have a big question mark because I don't even have any confirmation that this is happening. I haven't talked to anybody about this happening. This is just totally, but I, I feel like between Open Door and Zillow, 
and any other of these large real estate organizations. So, you know, they all are using some form of this technology yeah. uh, on many of the homes that they have purchased from consumers. And so I think, I would imagine at some point, one of them is going to say, hey, builder, would you like to use our program? I just, it seems like it's natural. No confirmation this mm -hmm. is happening yet. Again, I don't know anything more than anyone else listening to about it. But it seems like that could be a natural progression as well of, especially if you're a larger, you know, top 10 builder, you don't want to have to manage all the headache, right? And so if you're able to just partner with another large organization at a different scale, perhaps, than what EnterNow is able to do. And we probably should have uh, someone from EnterNow on the program to talk more about it in, in more detail. But yeah. I just think that I wouldn't be surprised if that happens at some point in the future. Okay, let's switch over to a couple news articles about unintended access. The first one here is from a website called Buildium. Very creative name. The headline is. is a lowdown on self-showings. Do the benefits outweigh the risks? And <laughs> so they describe what they are and the process. The, th the main reason I pulled this up is it has a pro and con list. And I, th I thought these were interesting perspectives. Yeah. So the pros include less coordination is needed. Mm -hmm. I'm not sure about that one. We'll talk about the discussion of that. Uh, after we do the articles, but the theory is that less communication is required. It becomes significantly easier to show rentals that are geographically spread out. Makes sense. Self-showings help to shorten the leasing cycle uh, by giving your tenants leads more flexibility to pick showing times in the evening or on weekends. That's when everybody, for the most part, although, you know, if you go to the grocery store at like 11 a.m. or 2 p.m., you're like, where did, does no one work anymore? So that's true. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's funny, but it seems like everyone always wants evenings and weekends. Uh, property managers can grow their portfolios more easily because each leasing agent can oversee more units. So just you, you can scale this to a wider degree. And renters get instant gratification by touring properties as soon as they want. So those are all the positives according to this article. The negatives, self-showings are really only appropriate for leasing vacant homes. That's yeah. kind of, yeah, I, I would agree with that. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I once had a showing of a house that we were thinking about purchasing where there was just a bedroom that was locked. And that's I was weird. like, I'm looking at the agent. I'm like, creepy. what's in there? Oh, that's a bedroom. I'm like, why is it locked? And she's like, I think the owner's in there. Like he, he, he's, he, he works a different shift. So he's sleeping, but he's okay with us showing the house, but you can't open the door. I was like, this is, this is weird. so awkward. Mm. That's their dungeon. <laughs> Oh, there's more awkward. That's a different episode, but prospects may have questions during the self-showing. This is definitely one of mine. <laughs> really? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, you know, th they're going to they realize might. that the kitchen is the kitchen, but That's the kitchen, mm -hmm. there are going to be a whole lot of questions that they may not know how to get the answers to. And if you view this as unintended access versus perhaps a different way that we'll talk about later, you, you may not think that that is a con, but I would say that is a con. You may have to pay monthly fees or maintenance of this whole program. Definitely true. There's, there's cost to it. Not all renters are technologically adept. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Older renters in particular may not feel comfortable utilizing that technology. So it seems like here they're saying that this is an all or nothing. Like you can never, Yeah. I mean, I don't understand. Wouldn't you still and put I don't a think number? Yeah. I think yeah. the real life is it's a blend of, it's a blend. Yeah. To get it to work. Yeah, this is a brief segue, but the answer more and more today is yes and. It's like yeah. the in improv rule of yes, you can do unintended access and you can still do it the old way. 
everyone likes to talk about Apple being like, nope, you know what? The headphone jack is just gone. Sorry, deal with it. Going back to our brand <laughs> conversation, there's very few companies that can get away with that. I've just, nope, it's all this way. Deal with it. You, you do have to have a little bit of flexibility built in into any system. And then self-showings are not 100% foolproof. There's always a risk that a person will cause damage to the unit, lose the keys, et cetera, which yeah. while we haven't seen any articles or, or big news stories or even anecdotal stories of this happening from people who are using unintended access, it's inevitable at some point it probably mm-hmm. will oh, be a sure. thing. I'm sure. All right. So this is all just giving us context before we kind of dive into a deeper discussion. Next one is from biggerpockets.com. Why rental property owners should stop being afraid of self-showings. We don't really even need to talk as much about this one other than the fact that this is, again, from the rental industry, which has been using this technology, it seems like much longer than general real estate has. And so you can kind of see like the cycle that builders and real estate companies are going through now of, let's see, when was this article written? I don't see actually a date date. or a byline. uh, Okay, so the comment section... The comments started two years ago. Oh, wow. So that's why what I love is this kind of crystal ball effect. I used to joke when I was in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. I love love Pittsburgh. But what I'm about to say is true. I could look into the future at Pittsburgh. Like when I lived there, I could literally, I could look two and a half hours to the west to Columbus. And I knew what was going to become popular in Pittsburgh in like two to three years. And and the silly (laughs) example I use is when I first moved to Pittsburgh, the first P.F. Chang's in the entire MSA opened <laughs> and it was like Disneyland came to town. Everyone's talking about, you know, P.F. Chang's is all, and I was like, what? That was, that was when I was in high school. That was cool, cool in Columbus. It wasn't it's still good food, <laughs> you know, but it wasn't an event. Whereas everyone. So that's what I, I think we're in some industries like auto and like rentals. You can kind of peer into this crystal ball of kind of this this process, mental process that people are going through. So two years ago, the question was, yeah, it's there, but everyone's afraid of it. We don't want to touch it. We're scared of change, right? And so just that idea of a lot of builders right now, it seems like are wrestling with a lot of the same, same questions. All right. Last one here from thinkrealty.com. Self-showing lockboxes. What's the risk? And this one just kind of goes off the rails. Yeah, um, it does. <laughs> it's literally like, I think doesn't, isn't this the one that says somewhere like the house may burn down? Uh, yeah. Control what if the entire yeah. home is stripped to the slab? HVAC, flooring, cabinets, <laughs> copper, everything is stolen. Now you not only have the replacement cost to rebuild the home, but how many months of rent loss to cover as well? well and there's all kinds of legalese and... Fear mongering um, from my... Yeah. Oh, there was so time. much. It's terrifying. Especially from the insurance district. They were alluding to it maybe not being covered. Yeah. And even talks about if you were a licensed realtor, you could find yourself in violation of the NAR Code oh, of yeah. Ethics, Article 2, yes. verse 12, whatever, as well as your state statute that says grounds for denial suspension of your license pursued a course of misrepresentation or made false promises in a transaction. Yeah. Uh, terrible. And it's just, it's oh, crazy. Man. So yeah. that just kind of shows you the depth of that denial and don't touch this with a 10 foot pole that just, there's a monster <laughs> around every corner kind of mentality that also, you know, and you got to be aware of this stuff because when you start talking with your division president or other people in your company about, Hey, let's try this. You got to predict the objections that are to come your way 
if yeah. you're going to know how to position and storytell and and make your way through those objections to ultimately get to the to the point where they say, sure, go ahead and and give it a shot. Okay. So now let's kind of dive into a, a fun discussion here. Now that we've kind of clarified let's what this it. is and somewhat how it works. My first kind of discussion question is, is this idea of unattended, if that is really the best word for this and, and kind of the, should there be this system? Is it an ideal scenario to create a system where prospects do tour that home back to that kind of unanswered questions where there is not a human present pros and cons of not having a human at the showing? Um, a pro would be for me, I like to, when I shop, I like to just be able to talk about the house as it is and Mm -hmm. not necessarily want the sales pressure because I'm one to be like, Hey, I need help, but I don't appreciate the people who walk up every three minutes to ask me if I have any questions. Right. Yeah. In terms of that conversation about the home as it is, especially with your husband or significant other, right? You want to be able to talk openly with them about the product. Yep. I definitely agree. I think this, it goes to when you, when you buy a car now or geez, it's been a a bit of time since I've, I've gotten a car, but they're just like, yeah, just go going out there. At least my last few experiences, maybe it's different. I, I have no idea, but you kind of get this feeling like, Hey, this is our car. Like say you're shopping with your spouse or whoever, like you walk in the door of the home and you're like, you look at each other. You're like, is this is welcome home. Hey honey, <laughs> this is where, this is us. There's yep. this parent yeah. over here watching you like, yep, these are cabinets. And you're like, I, I know these are <laughs> cabinets. Is this the bath? And yes, I know. And I'm not saying that there's not value in them, but I think the initial, like the first time, I think that's where some of the people are, are unattended. Like, oh, this is our one shot. But I think it's the intent is like, you get them in there. Like, we love it. We really like it. Like, and then you go back again yeah. with the... S- Similar idea to resort communities or um, empty mm-hmm. nester communities where, you know, like, hey, come on down, spend two days for free with us and, you know, experience the community. In that sense, it is a prolonged unattended access visit, right? Uh, for the most part, you're left alone. You're just yep. living in the neighborhood, in your house, experiencing what it's like. So I, I, and, I definitely see that. And then they swoop around and, and then you get the... Because there will be questions, but I think most people would like to go in there by their self. Yeah, and and the, and the builder developer is hoping that the only question really is, how do we make this house ours? <laughs> like, we love it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> how, how, yeah. how, how do we do this, of course? But there will be other questions. Yeah. And there was a time period, too. I think this is more when Airbnb and VRBO was becoming more widely used, where I remember seeing campaigns from home builders, you know, test drive this home. And it was basically the concept of stay here for an evening or for, for a weekend, especially in multifamily projects. I do recall a couple of people trying that. Obviously it, it didn't stick and a lot of people just wouldn't do it for legal or safety reasons, which is, I think it's true. I mean, we've talked about a couple of pros, obviously convenience is a big pro, not just being by yourself, sure. but the convenience of not having to wait for somebody else to show up or uh, them talking too long and keeping you there beyond what you want. To, to invest time-wise. I think another pro is potentially safety. You, you don't hear it all the time, but you definitely still hear, hear stories about real estate agents or new home salespeople you know, being assaulted or yeah. unfortunately even at times murdered in a home. And so here's a way where you don't have to put a human being's life at risk to show a house when uh, it's getting dark outside. Yep. Right? Yeah. Right. 
I agree. I, I agree with that one. That's a good. That's a that's a good yeah. one. Another pro you kind of have if you have more than one person. It depends on like the community, but imagine a community. The one we're we're living in now, like there's usually one or two of the sales agents are there, but usually it's just one now that they're almost sold out. But if he's meeting with someone and someone else shows up, he has to he can't deal with two people at the same time. He could be like, hey, just go down there. Like I'll see you in whatever I could let you in, or you could just use the directions on the door and somehow catch up with that person later. Otherwise they're just, I've never worked in a model, obviously. Are they just sitting there waiting, like doing nothing, <laughs> looking at the brochure they don't want to look at? Not, probably not. They want to see the home. Yeah. So now they're, they have more bandwidth to let this person see. Yep. So now we use this all the time as a kind of a trick, a mental trick to think about something, or at least I, I do is I think about Disney and we talked about this in a different form. <laughs> of imagine Disney without cast members at the park. Yeah. I truly don't think That's it would true. be as great of a place. No, you know, it wouldn't. You, you've got fast pass systems. You got the armbands. You don't need all those people around, but it does when done correctly, provide a better experience because ultimately we're going to talk about this at the summit. The human experience is the best experience. It's the high end luxury experience in today's world where more and more and more gets digitized. There's transactional things that, yeah. Sure, use technology, but so the kind of the, the downside of not having a human there is if you are a great salesperson, not in terms of the I close them and eat their kids for breakfast kind of uh, aggressive salesperson <laughs> good, you're just really good at creating Warrior. human connection and genuinely, cool. you know, interacting with them that, that makes everyone walk away having a positive feeling, whether the house was sold or not, you lose out on that. The question of... I think a lot of builders who are thinking about unintended access are thinking this is awesome because I can get rid of humans or I don't have to worry about, you know, salespeople saying they need time off or they just let, let, let people humans. go. You know, well, you know, we've had people ask us, is anyone using robots like full on robots like Disney animatronics? Is anyone doing something where people just buy a house from a kiosk? And at what? scale, and yeah, I've, I've had that question probably four times this year from, wow. from different people in some form or fashion. And again, I think the best way to approach what I'm still calling until someone gives me a better word, unintended access, is to figure out how do we <laughs> add humans from our company the best way possible on top of that. And yeah, real silly example is FaceTime or some form of video. In any of these instances where we talked about, when they get access, making your inside salesperson or someone in your company aware that it's happening and just tell them, hey, in, in the next five to 10 minutes, someone will be FaceTiming you to, to see if you have any additional questions about the home. You know, And again, position it as a service, not a sales tool, but just we're going to make sure you've had a good experience. You made it in the home okay. If you have any questions, I, I don't think a fully unattended in person or, or not in person is the best way we should be thinking about this. Yeah, I agree. And maybe that's where like a, another word would be. And that's what you were starting with when we started. This was like, what is the best word? Cause unintended does give the impression that like, they're just these people out there in our houses by themselves with no assistance yep. doing whatever they want versus, Hey, this is a quicker on ramp to the buying process versus Hey, you have to start at this light, this I, intersection. I love this the fact a that you brought that up of it's a better or different on-ramp. It's It goes back to one of our core theories at, at Do You Convert that drives almost everything we do is 
we're not trying to convince the un- unconvincible. We're trying to make it easy for the people who want to purchase, you know, reduce mm-hmm. all that friction. Yeah. Mike talks about the slip and slide analogy, just add water. That's what we're trying to do here. And so this is another way for people to opt in and say, I'm interested to make it as convenient as possible for them. And I think in terms of what we call this, the only other kind of best term that I've, I've come up with is on demand access. So Ooh, not, like that. not unattended, I like that one. but it's on demand. I on like demand. on demand. And so this brings us to the next discussion point of, you Copyright. know, yeah, right. go buy on demand, uh, all <laughs> on those demand versions. Yeah. Uh, URLs, et cetera. This concept of how people will really use this. And we're going to circle back around to Chris Hartley's comments, which were awesome. Thanks, Chris, again, for sharing those. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think a lot of people think about this as this is awesome. I can you know, put a sign on the door and people are just happen to be driving by. They can just get in in five minutes. And I'm not sure, again, that that's the best way to be thinking about this. If we use the term mm-hmm. on-demand showings or on-demand access versus schedule a tour, those are kind of the similar things. But this idea of get immediate access right now in 30 seconds or a minute or five minutes with this app or connection of of technology pieces. I think a lot of people, if you were very clear and communicated this well on your website, if you just said, Hey, schedule a schedule an on-demand showing at a time of your convenience, I think they would do it in advance of them showing up more often than not. Oh yeah. Because yeah. they're still in control. So again, that let me just try to re-say it. Cause I think I've, I was too wordy here. I think the best use of this as a marketer is to communicate it, to schedule this on your own for a time in the future of your choosing for on-demand access with a person or without a person versus I'm just going to put this here. So when all my model homes close at six o'clock in the evening, then people who just happen to be driving by can get in. And I think the main reason for that is those people who just happen to be driving by still like 98% of them have been exposed to you online first, most likely. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep. Any other thoughts on that? Well, I think, you're, I think you're right on. There will be the one, two, three percent that will just, quote, drive by and, and like, oh, look, we could go and this is so neat. But then the other 90 plus percent, like they'll see it on the site. I think the wording yeah. needs to be careful, like on demand three, six, five or something sure. that gives the impression like, oh, it's it's anytime with or without a sales agent mm-hmm. on no pressure that type of type of thing. And they could pick their time. Like I, I think back to when we, when we purchased our home before we decided to go new, we were like, Oh man, all these existing homes are terrible. Let's go by these. And I just stopped by because it was, it was on the way back from Costco, but I was on the site for weeks before yeah, at a time. Yeah. But had there been a, this thing, I'd be like, Hey Lindsay, we could go at seven 30. No one's going to be there. We don't have to talk to a salesperson because we don't, we didn't really want to just our personalities. Like we just wanted to like, let's just take a look. Like, I don't know. Like we're, we were definitely in the market. We were ready to go. We were renting. We needed someplace to buy, but we didn't really want to talk to anybody yet. We just wanted to, let's just see what it's like. We have no idea. Plus they're invested enough to put their information in. So you yeah. have the contact to follow up with. So it's not an immediate like, Oh, let me just type these five numbers in anonymously and get in the house. It's here's who I am. I am a real person. I would like to see this house. And then all of a sudden you have the invitation to follow up and 
and maybe do a second showing with a human to answer you're, questions. You're right on, which what I think is the main benefit, and this is selfish uh, from a marketer salesperson perspective, but if I can get them to schedule it in advance, back to what the first part of our discussion, then I at least have an, a potential opportunity to get a human being involved. Again, whether it's through technology mm-hmm. and FaceTime or, hey, alert the salesperson. Someone has scheduled an unattended on-demand showing. <laughs> See, I can't even, I got to unlearn this thing that I made up. On-demand showing for 5.30 and their model closes at five on that particular day. Now that person has the option of hanging around to, again, provide a service. I, I don't think mm-hmm. you can promise it's going to be unattended, but you can just say, hey, depending on availability, we may have someone who can meet you, we may not. And then, But I think anytime you get that advance notice as a marketer, now you have a better chance to prep set expectations, nurture before they visit, as well as after they visit. It could even, I'd I'd imagine this is probably jumping ahead like 50 questions, but it could maybe even (laughs) like influence a different type of schedule for the sales office. Like if, hey, if we have this influx of seven to eight, not that you want to have people working because they'll end up working all the time if they're hungry for sales and, and want, want that. But you would think, but not necessarily always be, true. <laughs> you would think. Would, yeah, that is, that is true. I'm, I just think about like 10 to six, like that's such a weird time. Like, I don't know, just like, what about the people before 10? That's the model that I drive by every day. I'm like 10 to six. What about like on the way to work? Like, is that a popular time to just stop by? Probably not. Who knows? I have no, no idea. No. But imagine the data from this, like once this is in full scale and everyone's doing it and it's like, well, here's when people tour. Here's when people buy. Well, and that um, probably different things. That is one thing that Chris said. You know, we asked him this is back and forth email chain when he reached out on the topic because he heard we were we were talking about discussing it. We asked him or you asked him if there was a common time that people were showing up, you know, before mm-hmm. or after work. And he's like, Nope. Our top time frame for is for visits after church, but before noon. So they're out and about, but they're the models don't open up until 12 o'clock. And so that is the most popular. But uh, there really is no, like, that's definitely the time when everyone wants to get in here and they can't. And he also just clarified that Enter Now in particular, which is what they use, uh, works from sun up to sundown, again, for security. So it's not 24-hour access. It's access so like during daylight hours. 7 a.m. That'll change, yeah. Eight. I mean, yeah, it yeah. depends on the season. Mm-hmm. And, but yeah, and your latitude. Seven. And your latitude, yeah. They're what, Texas? Interesting. Okay. Yeah, but it, that's a good idea. That's Not where nighttime. we definitely have heard feedback from builders of, well, in my market, everyone goes to church. And so we don't need to open up until two o'clock on Sunday because until they go out to lunch after church, like we just don't get traffic. And this would be a way to to, to figure yeah. that out. You're like, you don't get traffic because you're closed, I think. Mm-hmm. It's, well, which one came first, but. That's true. <laughs> yeah. You can get those. Mm-hmm. Yep. The, the interesting thing is because most of the time when people are testing this, they are one builder in Richmond, Virginia. She just made up signs in the front of her inventory homes that said, text me for access, basically. And she's like, oh my gosh, mm-hmm. I got you know 10 text messages over the last week. She didn't have any contact information, didn't know their names necessarily. It was just... She had phone numbers. But again, how many of those 10, that's true. She, she, how many of those 10 people though would have scheduled something in advance if it was promoted on the website kind of properly and communicated clearly is kind of the, I I think I actually feel more comfortable promoting it on the website first Mm -hmm. than in person, right? Just because then they have more context, you know, they're actually looking. Yeah. Versus um, I was going to come and steal the fridge out of this inventory home. 
the hard way, <laughs> but look, I can call and get access, you know, that, right. Okay, good. Yeah, that's fine. Uh, that's true. Okay. Final thoughts from the panel on on-demand access. So this is a, it's not a complete reversal of what I was talking about before, but this may be a partial solution, I think, for HR challenges that companies have with getting enough salespeople or keeping salespeople or, you know, a lot of times what happens is your best salespeople are always hungry for more. I want more, I want more, yeah. I want more. And there's this struggle of, okay, but, and then I'm stretching them too thin. I've got other people who need to make money too. And I, so I've got to balance this thing out. And so I'm not saying this is right for every builder, but there have been situations without on-demand access that I've still seen this working where you have kind of a senior sales position. And one instance would be if an online lead comes in and the customer only can meet because they're a reload buyer or something, they can only meet on this one day at seven o'clock. If that salesperson has a hot yoga appointment, or whatever going on, and they don't want to cancel it, can't cancel it, and they can't meet with the customer, <laughs> having this kind of overflow salesperson who just gets all of the leads and appointments that no one else can or will take. And because they're an excellent closer, we had a, a gal named Kathy Cooper who did this at Heartland prior to the MVR acquisition. And I want to say she sold like 45 houses just kind of sweeping up. Like, I'll take anything, anytime, anywhere. You just tell me That's a few. and I'll go there. She's a great closer. And then she didn't have to hold the buyer's hand afterwards because she was moving around to all these different places. Um, so again, in this, in this on-demand schedule perfect. in advance setting, that's perfect for that type of position. It's also potentially a great way to give three communities to one salesperson. You don't have to worry about, well, how do I keep the doors open? I have to then hire assistants. It, it can, I think, just make potentially some of these HR challenges and staffing challenges that people have. So I'm not saying use this to get rid of uh, salespeople. What I'm saying is potentially you could use this to give your best salespeople more opportunity and to not feel the, the pain of, I need to hire more just to keep, we used to call them knitters in Pittsburgh, the o o older, older <laughs> women who would knit yes. in the corner and just say, thanks yes. for stopping in. I can't answer any questions. You know, that yeah. kind of person. It's, it would be kind of a <laughs> neat bridge between your online sales specialist and your sales mm -hmm. person who works in the community. Yep. Kind of a hybrid. I think it could change the whole model of how salespeople work, I, yep. which I think you mentioned this on one or two ago, where it'd be more like Uber, a pool instead of like mm -hmm. throughout their model, or they could be three or four, depending on the geography and distance from communities, but, or they could be on demand, just yeah. driving from this one to that one, to that one. So maybe doing more transactions, but there's less people there. I, I don't know. There'd be a blend somehow because if they're driving more, then they have less time to do office stuff, whatever that means. Honestly, it's more like a traditional real estate agent. The more that yeah, as I'm listening to you say that. my own words back to me, I'm thinking, you know, a real estate agent, unless <laughs> they're, just, they're, they're working exclusively yeah. for a builder, which doesn't happen nearly as often anymore they're not just sitting in one house waiting for people to come to them. And that'd be weird. You know, they're showing houses or out uh, making connections. I, I just think that's probably more the way that, that we're going in the future. Yep. Yeah. The only, I guess the only exception just thinking out loud would be, and I, I'm so biased because I have like, I'm in the community, then diagonal from it, there's the artist. So we're an artisan preserve diagonal from it. 20 feet across the street is artisan estates. 
there's 55 homes in there and they sold out in like six months. So those sales, the wow. two sales agents there, I mean, they'll be gone in, in a couple of months once it's, you know, done and everything's popping up out of the ground. It's really crazy how fast they're building it. But um, they just sat there all day long and all right, new sale come in. Okay. Another sale. So they're kind of, they'd be stuck somewhere mm-hmm. because of just the activity of that. However many that is, was that 10? Exactly. That, that's what I'm talking about. Um, that's what I was referring to. That kind of situation or similar situations you find yourself in. I think these are ways to solve those HR challenges of if those salespeople are your best and you believe they're your best, like you don't want them to feel uneasy about where their next home is or sorry, that new community is not ready yet. We're going to, that's true. You know, I don't know what those guys will do. I thought about that. I'm like, they probably made a couple hundred or whatever from this community. I'm like, I wonder where they're going next. Cause I know they, they both live like an hour and a half from where we are. Oh yeah. I'm like, Oh man, they're probably, they better be stockpiling their commissions. Yeah. <laughs> just cause that one went, went so fast based on, you know, there's well, nothing over this way. Move them to a new, new community. But I think that that might be the exception where you, that you could sit somewhere and, and just keep going through sales. Yeah, um, totally. Yep. yep. Anything else? Last on chance. Demand. Any other thoughts you guys have that we haven't covered about on-demand access? Ooh. Last thoughts. Okay. Well, that's it. That's everything that's, you need to know. It. That's the 360 it's view. The ramp. <laughs> I'm just kidding. That's, that's, that's our 360 <laughs> view so far. Done. Um, we'll definitely reach out and, and see if we can get the uh, owner of EnderNow or... Um, someone else on the program, potentially even, oh, let's, let's go back to Chris Hartley. So you gave us a couple other interesting oh, yeah. pieces of insight here. It. Yeah. Mm-hmm. My buddy, Chris. So this is the process they use. He said, if a home is completed and has an enter now lockbox on it, they call the OSC. We still set appointments with the onsite. We never tell them there is a lock and they can go by themselves. We figure if they aren't smart enough to figure that out, we will have them do a VIP appointment with the salesperson. I think that's, that's brilliant. 30 to 40% of our traffic is actually utilizing EnterNow to access a home and about 180 hmm. users of it of the system per month. And he's got, uh, I think he told us here, they have 50 lockboxes. So from 50 lockboxes and they're spending around $5,000 a month for those units, he's getting about 180 uses of them in a month. So maybe not as much. I mean, he's in Dallas, Texas. Maybe not as much as you might think. The question, of course, is are these 180 incremental visits or are they and it's the same question we used to always get asked not as much anymore about online sales be like you say we should sell 10 percent more homes next year but we would have sold those homes without those people anyway right like this is just no Mm -hmm. that's not true actually (laughs) but you get a lot of incremental sales with that program but i'm sure people have similar questions or concerns about you know is this just a different way with the same number of people yeah, and I don't think it's on Chris. You could definitely email me if I'm if I'm wrong. I don't think it's on their site as far as like what we were referencing a few minutes ago, like tour, sundown to sunup, mm-hmm. blah 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 blah. It's not that there's not the starting point of starting with that. You know, it's it's still the, the call to action is reaching out to Sydney, one yep. of their OSCs. Exactly. A little bit more from him. I think this is awesome. Again, thanks, Chris, so much for for sharing all this stuff. He said, here's what I love. We were closed on July 4th, totally closed, but had 36 prospects enter through Enter Now on July 4th. And then they ended up selling four homes the following week. Now, he's not specififying if it's from those 36 prospects, but I'm assuming um, yeah, I would I would think that's what I he's, think so. he's bringing. Not that they just had 36 people they'd been nurturing for two months who decided to buy. Um, and he said he gets a text message himself whenever someone enters a home. In addition, the OSC gets a text and so does the on-site salesperson. 
And um, again, he said they're very strict on the fact that the OSC needs to be integrated into that program. And I think that makes complete sense to have this person mm-hmm. who's yeah. built for high I volume, agree. high interaction, use of the CRM, all that thing to make sure that this is this is working well. We talked about this before in terms of having the foundation of a great online sales program so that you can take these other things and add on to them like on-demand access. Awesome. Well, thanks, it. Chris. Thanks, panel. <laughs> I don't know. You're welcome. It makes me laugh. But it Anytime. Does. Every week. <laughs> Anytime. Yeah, yes. exactly. All right. Let's not take a break. Let's just jump right into answers to last week's question of the week and then the new question of the week. So uh, we just posted this yesterday, but holy smoke, Rooney's, you guys have been fast. Yeah. I, I hang out with little kids. Yes, I say smoke Rooney because I have... A five-year-old, a six-year-old, and a ten-year-old. So they can't be saying other words in gibberish, right? Holy uh, <laughs> smokeronies! And the question was, Andrew, I'll have you go ahead and yeah. Read it question us. of the week: At what stage of construction do you put your homes in the MLS, and why? Oh, All right, that's a good one. Ooh. Yeah. So Ooh. Jake wants to go with answers. There, you dived go. in and said, "I prefer to list when the exterior is done at the earliest. That's still about two months of construction going on." So a good amount of time to be in the MLS still. Yeah, and that does also prevent what you can see when you list it too early and don't have the content is by the time the house is done being built, you might have been building it for 260 days. And so people think it's a stale old home when in reality, the pictures that you you just uploaded the final house pictures yesterday. So I totally get that. It's supplemented beforehand on Zillow to get consumer eyes on it and to show the drawings and interior examples. I list our own houses, so I'm nearby to get progress photos, but otherwise would be relying on a listing agent to update the photos when they're able to. Martha, we put the home in pre-sale or to be pre-built. We list them as soon as we internally have a package together. Definitely another view that works. And I'll let you guys read some of the other ones, but I just want to provide some extra context here of, again, there is no right or wrong. I think the, the, the real thing you mm-hmm. have to weigh here is how fast do your homes typically sell? If you don't yeah. need to put them in earlier, maybe you have a lower co-op rate and you're okay with that, um, or you just tend to not have an issue selling homes prior to completion, then I would say you still want to have a process in place so that if you need it, you can do it without being like, oh my gosh, what do we do now? Because we've never thought about this at all. But there's definitely no one right answer. There's not going to be a winner here. It's true. And Martha, this is some, we, we're so humble. We never self-promote anything, but Martha was just on Jen's OPT. Oh yeah, OPT. The yeah. live. She OPT, did a great job. OPT. Yeah. Yeah. Online, online people talking. That's the, um, I think it's monthly, right? Uh, video it's monthly. interview mm-hmm. that Jen Alpha. does. Yeah, I, I think we with, should give her pressure to do like twice a month. What do you think? Uh, no. Do you uh, think? This, no. Uh, <laughs> as we all know, Shoot. anyone doing content on a regular basis, it's, it's, uh, it's work. It's a taskmaster for sure. It never stops. Yes. Good, good call. Let's add a, make sure we add a link to the show notes there for, for that episode. And then, uh, we used to list that sheetrock, but recently changed to listing when the driveway is in, as we've had so many issues with muddy access to the home. That's a good, you saw the problem. You fixed it. The homes are far enough along that we can accommodate most closings within 60 days. So that, that was another one. It's like kind of this two months or 60 days until they can close. Mm -hmm. Um, I think. Yep. And then, yep, Mike Davidson in Colorado. Depends, mostly not until drywall. I put them in as early as foundation. If we need an extra boost for a new community, that will work if location is a strength, in my opinion. Yeah, if you're in a really hot part of the market, then you certainly can get away with putting them in earlier 
as well, just because yeah. there's a lack of, of other things for people to look at. So if your content game isn't great, you still might get a lot of attention on that, yep. on that particular listing. Becky, you want to read the last two there from Bridget and Renee? Yeah. Bridget Thompson says, we list our market homes on MLS as to be built as soon as we have all the pricing and details together. We also list plans to be built as well as use all the photos and virtual tours and floor plans and other resources we have to create interest in all of our plans. So that's similar then, to Martha. Yeah. And I'm yeah. Renee's is awesome. Uh, and I'll probably have more to say on this, yes. but I really like, I don't want to again, go against what I said earlier, but this is probably my favorite. It's not the best. It's not the only, this is probably my favorite approach. So Renee says we have a system of up on the website in slab pour phase and then MLS at drywall. We do this for two reasons. One, if we put it in MLS too soon, the days listed numbers increase, which can deter Yeah, just like we were talking about before. (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) They may be left to think that house has been listed for a really long time. I wonder what's wrong with it. Yep, very true. Or... Number two, we leave room for changes between the slab and the drywall, mostly internally changes, but making those changes from what I've been told, I don't personally list the homes can be difficult once you've listed them in MLS. You need certain permissions. Yeah. So MLS has different rules, different regulations, sometimes just a lot more boxes to click and things to check off. (laughs) It can be more cumbersome for sure. And Yes. Well, again, some of the specifics might be slightly different. What I love is this idea of I want to get it on my own website and potentially on newhomesource.com or on Zillow as quickly as possible. But that does not mean that you have to put it in the MLS at the same time point. And that's what I was really referring to when I say it's my favorite approach is if possible, if you if you typically don't have a sales issue with inventory, Delaying putting things on the MLS until later on the process is ideal for a lot of the reasons that other people have already mentioned. But when it comes to you know putting it on your own site, you want to get that thing on there as early as possible. Sometimes even potentially pre-start because but you're not you're not yeah. starting the days on the market. Now here's here's why a lot of people don't even think about that is because they only have one way of getting things syndicated to these other sites. And to them, it's MLS or nothing. And that, hmm. that that goes back to ideally, your IDX feed has the ability, either you have multiple feeds coming out of your own website, so you can determine yes. what do I want to send here, what do I want to send there, or your back end gives you toggle options of how you want to show things. But if your main way of getting things onto Zillow or Realtor.com or other places is the MLS, not hmm. my favorite approach to that no they have a special api that'll take directly off your site so you control all the branding and everything exactly there you go yep yeah awesome thanks so much for all your answers there to last week's question of the week the new question of the week is should we kill story time on the podcast or keep it oh just a yes no comments are fine should we should we do it or not i think people like it but I think it's um, might as well. You know, ask. I was literally thinking about the format of the show today, like from listening to other podcasts. I just kept those feelings to myself. So. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. 
There like you, you want yeah. to change arms or you like the format? No, no, no. Why? Just um, there's some other ones where they just drive, they jump straight into the topic. Like uh-huh. literally like, hey, intro, we're here. Da, 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 da. Okay, let's go. Enter now. This is what we're talking about. Yep. So instead of having like we're doing this, 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 it was just, but they would also do like more, less formal kind of story time would be a whole episode. So then the episode would be, I don't know what it'd be, but kind of like instead of having it all together, it'd be two different episodes for how we would do one. Oh, that sure. Sure, sure. So I think like I story saying. time would be one episode. Yeah. The, the 360 would be another one. Right. So there'd be more quantity, but there would be you know half an hour each or, yeah, that's or a whatever. Good point. The or, you know, again, do you want no story time and more divergence Ever. as we're discussing? You know, if you like hearing that's me true. talk about the fact that I hate horses <laughs> and other things that just come to mind, right? We just kind of rabbit mm-hmm. trail where we go. So, yeah. Yeah. Awesome. We like feedback. We yeah, we love it. it. I love it. Love okay. It. Just, yeah. That'll do it. For published articles, <laughs> blog posts, videos, and more, check out doconvert.com. It's also the best way to find out how to connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, and everywhere else we are online. However, and we, we probably need to fix this, there is not a link on doconvert.com to join the Facebook group where we often post extra content during the week, just kind of things that hit us as they come, articles um, that we may or may not check out on or talk about on the podcast to join that group, just click on the link in the show notes or just go to Facebook and type in Market Proof Marketing. You'll see the group and we'd love to have you there. All right. Have a great rest of the week, everybody. We'll see you next time. See ya. Bye.